Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Endurance Minded. On this show, we have a longtime friend of mine, uh, Dave Shell. Dave is uh, is a coach for TEC. Um, he's also a longtime athlete. Started as a triathlete. Uh, now focuses primarily uh, on endurance off-road racing. Uh, he's a fantastic mountain biker, gravel cyclist. Um, he's also a podcast host of a really great podcast called Training Babble uh, that you guys should check out. Um, Dave and I uh, have a lot of things in common, and, and I really value his opinions and thoughts on training and racing. We'll, we'll go into a little bit of his background and his story, which I think is really interesting and, and helps provide a lot of perspective and a lot of value to his opinions. Um, we also get on some some fantastic tangents, uh, and I get in a lot of soapboxes um, about things that I think are, are very interesting, uh, very valuable, uh, and also some things that I think potentially are, are uh, wrong with with endurance sports. Um, we dive into some of my favorite topics, a few of which are uh, understanding the metrics that matter, uh, how to know when to apply the right metrics at the right time. Um, we talk about setting goals that scare you, um, providing yourself the opportunity to be pushed um, and to potentially fail and how that can be uh, a good thing. We talk about self-sabotage, and how that can be a very per- pervasive issue with uh, with lots of athletes, um, and and a lot more. This is really one of uh, my favorite conversations that I've had thus far on Endurance Minded. Um, it was uh, really fun, and and uh, Dave had a lot of really great uh, input. Um, you'll have to forgive some of uh, the technology issues. We we had a couple of hiccups with the uh, with the sound. Uh, overall, things are good, but you'll you'll probably hear a couple of little little issues. Um, not 100% sure what was going on. Um, I think we got it sorted, but um, just bear with us, and hopefully it doesn't detract from your your experience um, when you're listening to to the podcast. As always, um, you can get more information uh, at TEC. That's thomasendurancecoaching.com. You can visit the website to learn more about Dave. He's one of our coaches at TEC. Uh, you can reach out to him directly if you're interested in talking to him more about uh, training, racing, coaching, uh, or any of uh, the topics that we covered uh, on, uh, on this episode. Um, remember that that's also a great place to, uh, to always check in for, uh, uh, for our blog, uh, listening to or, or reading more about what all of our coaches have to say um, on the TEC blog. Um, you can reach out to, to other coaches there um, to ask questions. Uh, we have uh, coaches that are discipline-specific. Um, so lots of great resources. Always utilize TEC. Um, and you can also listen directly to the podcast there as well. Um, uh, also finding it on, uh, on Google Play, Spotify, and iTunes. Remember to subscribe, uh, rate, and share the podcast. Uh, we've gotten a lot of great feedback so far and look forward to, to hearing more from you guys. Um, and as always, let us know if there's anything that you would like us to cover on the podcast. We're, uh, we have lots of great uh, speakers lined up and, and interviews to come. So stay tuned. Uh, thanks so much and enjoy my chat with Dave Shell. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Endurance Minded. Um, today on the show, I uh, have a guest I'm really excited to talk to, uh, Mr. Dave Shell. What's going on, Dave? How are you, my friend? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for uh, thanks for taking some time to to be on the show. Um, so before we dive into some of the things that that I'd like to talk about, or I think would be really interesting to talk about, maybe you can tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, and, uh, and we'll, we'll kick it off with a little, little intro from you. How's that sound? Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll do my best. Um, no pressure, but the whole world's listening. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, uh, I guess I've been around endurance sport for about 15 years or so. Um, I kind of got into it later in life and after I had put on a bunch of weight just cause I had terrible habits like smoking and drinking and all this stuff. And after a while it just got to be time for a change. And so I kind of set a goal for like running one mile, which was the absolute hardest thing I could think of doing at that time. And then once I was able to run a mile, 
I thought about like doing a 10 K and it just kind of grew from there. Um, so after that, I got into coaching. I ended up working at, uh, endurance software place, training peaks, if people are familiar with it, um, and have been doing that for like the last seven years. And now, um, just kind of getting back into coaching because it is uh, one of my passions and just really love helping people experience kind of the things that I've experienced through endurance sport. Yeah. So that's, uh, I think one of the, one of the interesting things, um, uh, about you specifically is, um, that you don't, you don't, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it doesn't seem like you come from some, uh, some deep, you know, background in, in sports or endurance sports. So maybe what, tell me a little bit about that, or, or maybe again, correct me if I'm wrong, but what was your, you know, did you have a deep background like as a kid and, you know, middle school, high school, like, uh, college, were, were you, were you active? Did you play team sports or solo sports or were you not into any of those things? Are, are you trying to say that I not an athlete that you wouldn't see me as an athlete? <laughs> I'm trying to say that if you, <laughs> if you haven't been in sport for 45 years, <laughs> no, yeah. I, no, I, I, I think, uh, and, and this is an, this is an honest question because I don't know this about you. Um, I, I, yeah. Do you, you know, is that something you, you have, um, did you get back into endurance sports when you started, you know, when you, when you had those bad habits and you, and you started to, to make a change and kind of, you know, turn the ship and, in, in what I would, you know, refer to as the right direction or, or was that a totally foreign, you know, concept or, or thing for you to do in terms of, you know, being, uh, being involved in some sport. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, like as a kid, I always participated in typically team sports. So whether it was uh, football or basketball or soccer, I absolutely loved playing baseball with my friends, but never actually played on a team. It was more like six of us going down to the um, field and just like hitting balls and pitching to each other and stuff like that. And I got to high school. I wrestled um, the first three years. And then in the, my uh, senior year, I wasn't strong enough to, you know, you, we would have wrestle offs and one of my best friends was in my same category in my same weight class, but he had won state the previous two years. And it's one of those things where I just couldn't beat him. So mm -hmm. I decided to try soccer, um, and did soccer, but like in that time, like I never enjoyed running or anything, even though we did a ton of that in wrestling, mm -hmm. but like every now and then I would show up at track practice and just run against everybody just to see who I could be. And then I'd let the, uh, I'd let the track coach try to talk me into doing track and I wouldn't do it. And then I'd come again next season and do it again. Um, so yeah, after is basically, and it's not to get off on a tangent, but it's kind of interesting because it's like, you think about it in a lot of the, uh, like American sports, like there's no outlet. Once you graduate high school, if you're not playing in college or whatever, there's no, Right, way right. for you to continue that. Whereas like in the UK, you can continue with soccer. Like people go and play soccer on a Friday evening. Yeah. Well, um, I, I mean, that's, that's interesting. You brought that because that's really kind of, uh, you know, in a, in a way what I was getting at is I, I, there's always seems to be in, in the States, there's kind of two camps, right? There's the people, uh, there's the adults that have, uh, typically played some sort of team sport, uh, or been, you know, very active and involved as, as kids and, and young adults and continued on that trajectory, uh, into their adult years. And, you know, that's manifested itself as, you know, quote unquote, endurance sports, whatever the discipline is, um, or it's people, you know, kind of like yourself who have that exposure, there's a big gap and they get back into it. Right. And that, right. and there's kind of two, that's the, that's your options, right? You know, you don't find a lot of in between, you know, and I know I talked to a lot of folks that are, are like, Oh, you know, I used to be super active when I was, you know, X years old and now I'm getting back into it, you know, or I took a long break. And so I think that's, those are two very different people, right? I think that that's the interesting thing, uh, to me is how that kind of manifests itself in your trajectory as an adult athlete. Um, because you have to, you have to fight for it pretty hard to get back at it. Right. And maybe you can touch on that a little bit, but I know, you know, starting with a mile being the hardest thing you can imagine and moving up to, 
being uh, a really accomplished athlete and doing a lot of much harder things than running a mile like you've done, um, that's a big, that's a long road, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it, it like, I mean, I talk about it ad nauseum where it's like, that's kind of what drives me. Right. And that's what I want to pass on to people I work with is it's like, it's, it's just that experience of like pushing beyond your limits, like thinking that there's something you can't do and, and doing it after whether it's working on it for weeks or months or years. Um, it's, it's just such a crazy experience, you know, like today you can be absolutely a hundred percent sure that you'll never be able to do something. And then you do it, you know, three months from now or whatever. And so it's like, you're, I don't know. I have a friend who talks about uh, shifting baselines mm-hmm. and that's just it. Right. It's like you, you, today you think you're only capable of so much, but it takes something to raise that. And for you to realize that like you're capable of a lot more. And I think the more people experience it, the more they strive for it. Right. That's, that's one of the most exciting things that happens for me like working with athletes is that when we have conversations or the athlete is able to reflect back on a time when their baseline was so much lower than their new baseline, right. Or, or their new comfortable is, you know, twice as fast or twice as more power or, you know, whatever it is as their, their old top end effort. Right. So, so seeing that like progression, and being like, oh, this is the new baseline, right? To your point, like I think that that I mean, you nailed it. That's one of the that's one of the greatest things that can happen as an athlete and as a coach. You know, um, is to to see that happen both in your athletic endeavors, but you know, uh, as a coach, when you're very uh, emotionally invested in the outcome and the success of an athlete, that's also I think one of the the greatest things that can happen. Like when that, you know, when we realize that new baseline, you're like, Oh man, you know, that's like, that's, you know, all metrics and all race numbers and everything else aside, that's, you know, that's, that's almost like the most important thing for me. Right. When that like realization of that shift occurs. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. so go ahead, sir. Yeah. I was just going to say, and it's, I think it's one thing and, and perhaps we'll get into this a little bit more, but it's like, I think it's something that a lot of athletes take for granted because we're always looking towards the future. Mm -hmm. Right. And and so we lose sight so quickly of where we've been that we don't stop to appreciate like how much, how far we've come. Um, and so I just, yeah, I just think that that's something that I definitely try to, I mean, I'm guilty of it. I think a lot of people are because we kind of live in a culture where it's always not about what you've done, but what are you going to do? And so it's like just taking a moment to appreciate whether it's, I don't know. I hear so many people talk about like, Oh, when I run, it's so slow or, you know, or I can only run this far or whatever. And it's like, yeah, but two years ago you weren't running at all. So you've come a long way, you know? Yeah. And there's this, there's this mentality too. I think it's fairly pervasive in endurance sports. And, and again, this is, you know, you can push back on this if you don't think it's the case, but you know, this like, there's always something quote unquote bigger and better happening. So the, the thing that, that, that you do as an athlete is overshadowed, right? You, you, your athletes find themselves in a position if they have that mentality where they're like, well, yeah, but it's no, you know, hundred mile ride or yeah, it's no grand fondo or, you know, right. like whatever whatever the discipline is, there's always a thing that's, 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 you know, longer. It's not necessarily bigger or better or, you know, or even harder per se, but it's just, it's just, a, you know, it's the next level. It's, it's longer. And so athletes are always kind of downplaying that, but yeah, like look at where you came. Right. And just because you're not doing that longest option doesn't mean that it's not a worthwhile endeavor right. Or that you're not pushing yourself. Um, I think that's a really important thing to, 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 to wrap your head around, uh, you know, and kind of, uh, uh, at the onset of your training or as you progress through your training to be like, you know, to come back to that home base and be like, no, what I'm doing is worthwhile. Like that's a, you know, you kind of have to get to check that box, right. Cause if it doesn't mean anything to you or you feel like it's, it's not that important, 
or that somebody else is doing something bigger and better than you are, then you're going to, it's going to be hard to stay at it. Right. I mean, I would, I mean, I think, you know, what have no, you- I, I absolutely agree with you. And I always, I think about when I, so shortly after I started running, then somebody talked me into doing a uh, triathlon. And I just remember this whole thing where it was like, every time somebody would ask me what I was training for and I'd say something like the first couple of times people are like, Oh, Iron Man. And so like, eventually it was like, you'd tell somebody and you'd be like, but not almost like, but not a real triathlon right? training for this, but it's not a real one, you know, because you do feel like, Oh, it's not, but it's like, everything's hard on its own level. You know, like racing a sprint hurts. It hurts a lot, you know, and Ironman hurts a lot. And there, and so, yeah, I just, I feel like because there is so much focus on these huge things that a lot of athletes feel like, I mean, and you see it as athletes start to train for something, it's like they, their progression is like a sprint, half Ironman, Ironman. Right. Over the course of like two or three seasons, you know, and it's like, Like they have to get to that end thing to be validated or that their time isn't worth or the inputs not worthwhile. Right. Yeah. Which is, which is, which is bullshit. Right. I mean, that doesn't, that, you know, (laughs) there's lots of different I, you know, I love, I, I was just listening to, um, to an interview and I, I can't remember the details of the interview or the podcast, but I'll just use it as an example, just as a kind of a, a broad idea. And then the takeaway from, from it was that, you know, it was the, the interview was with professional ultra marathon runners, um, uh, ultra distance trail runners. And, you know, the idea, that's a very pervasive idea in the ultra marathon uh, space is, is, you know, if you're not running hundreds and, and now above, right. And, and, um, there's 200 milers and there's all kinds of crazy stuff, but if you're not running hundreds, you're, you know, that's like where you're trying to get to, or certainly a lot of people feel that way. And these runners said like, that's they they identified that they don't really operate well at that distance. So they run shorter stuff because that's what they're good at, right? That's what they enjoy They're They like, pushing the boundaries within those parameters. And I thought that was great. I was like, ah, oh, finally, like pro runners just being like, that's not my thing. You know, I'm not, right. I'm not running a hundred. I'm like, oh, that's so good. You know, like, cause I, I mean, I've just, you know, I've been in that space too. And you know, people are like, I, I see it. I'll talk to folks at, at, you know, ultra distance races and I'm like, Hey, you know, what's going on? You know, what, what are you running? And they're like, oh, I'm just, I'm just running the 50. I'm like, right. No, absolutely. Right. Ross is a long fucking way. Like, you know, like that's a big deal, you know, and you gotta like, that's, that's huge. Like it, it takes so much effort to, to do these, all of these distances, right. Like in their own right. Um, and so having that, uh, just, I think it's so huge for like your, your like mental and emotional health at the onset of training, right? Like again, coming back to like, if you downplay that or, or you belittle the, the end goal, it's going to be really hard to stay focused on, on what you're, you know, what you're, what you have to go through to get to, to that race, right. Or that event or that accomplishment. Um, so yeah, no, I, I think I, I'm really glad you brought that up because I, that's one of like my biggest, yeah. You know, things that I wish would change about the mindset of s- some athletes. And then maybe like kind of a little bit like the culture in some ways of, of endurance sports is to, you know, like it's all hard, man. Like, you know, like it doesn't matter. It's about where you came from and where you're going. Right. It doesn't, it's not about what distance race you did or, or whether that's less than another distance that's available. Right. Right. It, and now it, so don't you think that, I mean, I don't know, I've seen it over the last, gosh, probably at least five, if not 10 years, like there's, there's trend towards longer and longer things. And I feel it like it's becoming so much more like participatory where the whole end goal is finishing so that there's, there's almost like no performance goal tied to it. Mm-hmm. And so I, and so I kind of wonder about that too, is like, I don't know. I see a lot of Ironman people that have done multiple Ironman or my Ironmans. Um, Iron person, Iron persons. But it's like, like they've done, you know, whatever, like four or five or six and it's like, it hasn't been enough. And so they, I see a lot of them transition to, 
the running. Um, but anyway, I'm going off a on a tangent, but it's like, I, I just think it's interesting that I see s so many people and it makes it more accessible where it's like the whole goal of a lot of these events is just finishing, which is a huge feat, mm -hmm. you know, but it's like, I don't, I don't know. Part of me wonders if I, I see that as like a first time goal. Like that makes sense. Like you're going right, into right. the unknown, but it's like after a while, like, is it a cop out? Right. You've, yeah, you've was, just finished five. Like, right. why don't you try to improve upon that? Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad you went into that. Cause I, I mean, I was going to ask, like, do you think that's good or bad? And, and I, uh, I would, I would agree with you. I mean, I, you know, I think, that taking part in the uh, preparation and execution of a big event, you can use an Ironman as an example, um, is, a, is a big deal. But I think there should be at some point a, a performance-related goal as well, right? Like once you've done it, um, is it enough to just continue to finish? You know, I don't know. There's probably a lot of people, I mean, that's probably we might've just got ourselves in deep shit. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I, I agree with you I, because it's, I also think again, like a, a little bit, I think it's very similar to what we were just talking about with, with the kind of, if, if you, if you belittle the distance that you're doing or you're not fully emotionally, mentally, physically invested in, 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 in your goal, then it's, then you're not, it's a little bit of a cop out, right? Like if you think it's, and it's kind of the same, it's really the same thing. I think with, with what we're talking about right now is like, if, if your goal is just to finish, then I mean, you know, you're like, you're not giving it a hundred percent, right? There's no way you can't, right? If, if you, if you're like, well, you know, I trained enough to finish and that's good, but like, could you have done more, right? Are you shortchanging yourself? Um, I would argue probably, you know, a lot of times that's the case. Right. Right. Um, I, and I, I have that conversation with athletes I work with all the time and I'm, I'm a really big, I, I try to give some pushback in that regard where if athletes come to me and they say, um, you know, uh, you know, or say we're talking about goals for the season, right. Or, or we're kind of, uh, we're getting a race calendar together and we're putting that in, in place. I, I, my, my stance is, well, let's not do something that, you know, you can finish, right? Like let's have a, let's have a big goal, right? Like let's use that to drive, um, our, you know, what the training obviously, but also your, your motivation and commitment. Like let's, let's, let's not operate in a place that we're already comfortable in, right? Like what's the, what's the fun or what's the, the, you know, if, and when they accomplish it, like what's the joy in that, right? If you already know, uh, that it's a, uh, it's a sure thing, right. Basically. Right. And I think, yeah, after you've kind of gotten that first timer, like, okay, check that box out of the way, then you're operating under that. Well, it's a sure thing, right. You know, you can do it. So now you, you should ramp it up a little bit, right. And see what you're capable of. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that's, I think that's really interesting. And again, I think there's a kind of a pervasive mindset there too, that, that those two things share, you know, and I think can drag, a lot of people down, right. When you, when you get in this kind of comfortable zone or like, that's good. I can just do, you know, X, like I'm, I'm comfortable here. I can finish. I can do the same type of training I can do the same amount of training. I can push myself a certain amount and it'll produce a certain result and that'll get me across the finish line. Right. And right. I think that's, you know, robs people potentially. What are you going to say? And I think that gets into another thing and that, so if you didn't lose all your listeners with the last thing, this will do it for you. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> this will be like our, our like, you know, most hotly tested <laughs> This will, you'll be the reason that we don't exist anymore. Yeah. Good. I'm, I'm <laughs> glad I'm accomplishing something. We went out, um, we went out on a, on a, on a medium note with Dave. Show. <laughs> <laughs> story of my life. Um, anyway, go ahead. yeah. So it's, it's like, uh, I think then you get into, and I've seen this is like, I, I think there's also some kind of exercise addiction in there too. And it's like, I, I've seen it time and time again, where it's like, it's really not about being better. It's about logging miles and time in the pool and, um, you know, hours. And it's like, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's more that people can't 
stand to, I don't know, be in their own heads or whatever. So they're constantly trying to fill every space with, um, activity. And so, right. And I see that a lot, not to keep bagging on Ironman, but I, I just, I've worked with a lot of athletes where it's like, I see that a lot and it's like, they're, they won't take days off. They do secret training. They, you know, right. will we'll yeah. go do things and not upload and things like that. And I think, I guess what I'm saying is that it's just, when, when the goal is just to finish and just to do one more and just to collect another finisher medal, I think a lot of times it's like the motivation for that might not be the actual event itself. It's just that, uh, finding a reason to exercise, I guess. Yeah. Do you think there's any, um, do you think there's any like fear of failure linked to that? Right. Like without, if you, if you operate in this kind of safe space, like you don't have to butt up against the possibility that, that you can fail, right? Like, which is a real possibility if you push yourself, but if you don't do that or you operate, you know, any, is, you know, I don't know, do you, you, you think that's relevant or you think I'm way off left field on that one? No, I, I, like, I agree. Like there, perhaps there's some self-sabotage, right? And it's like, right where everything's going well and you start to, I, so, uh, I think of a uh, Carrie Cheadle and she's a mental skills coach. And we talked about, um, goal setting and secret goals. And it's like, and, and I absolutely love that. It's like, okay, you have your stated goal, but every athlete also has this secret goal, which is good, right? It's good to have that secret goal. And it's like, sometimes that's why athletes aren't they have a pretty good race, but then they're still disappointed. And it's because they had this secret goal that you weren't aware of. Right. Um, yeah. And I've talked and, about that a lot, not to interrupt, but just this idea of, you know, expectations and, and making sure that it, specifically, I think what you're getting at is like between like a coach and an athlete, that relationship. And if like making sure that you're on the same page, right. That, that whether they're intrinsic or extrinsically, you know, motivated, that the expectation is the same, right? That they don't finish a race. Um, and either you're disappointed as a coach, uh, or, or you're very happy. And then the same thing happened to the athlete, right? They're either very happy or disappointed. It's important to be on the same page. And that's about defining expectations early and often, right? Like, what do you want to get out of this? Both, both, you know, from a race standing perspective, but also just personally. Right. And I think that's, that's a piece the, the kind of secret goals, uh, is a big piece that a lot of folks don't realize or talk about. Right. But everybody has them, right. Like you said, um, anyway, not to derail the train, but I, I just, I think that's a really important piece that I, that's, if I have a soapbox, maybe well, I have a lot of soapbox, that's probably, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's one of them for sure. Is that just like idea of expectations, but anyway, uh, well, it, it, well, yeah. And I like it, I think part of that, just talking about the self-sabotage is that you do have this secret goal and it, it, at some point you, they scare, we, they scare themselves where it's like all of a sudden start thinking about, well, what if I don't? And right. so they go out and do something else so that you always have a, I mean, I don't know how many races I've been at the end of, and I hear that, oh, if this didn't happen, if this didn't happen, oh, I could have done this, th those sorts of things. Right. And so it's like, it's just a scapegoat so that if you don't meet that secret goal, you always have something to fall back on. Right. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's your, that's your excuse. And then that's your excuse to potentially operate in that same cycle, right? Like if you, if that just repeats itself season after season, you're always going to find that secret goal. You're always going to operate under your potential you're always going to, you know, train to finish, right? I mean, to go back to that. And I think that's, you know, that's, I don't know. I, it's just a real, I, I'm, I'm like, you know, I've been, you know, end of races and, you know, every, everybody's, there's so many people that are so negative, you know, you finish this, this big thing and everybody sits around and, you know, critiques about how they screwed it up, you know, or how they didn't. I'm like, you know, I don't know. I, I guess it's linked a little bit to like what we first started talking about with this like undervalue proposition, but also some self-sabotage. I don't know. I, you know, I, that's why, that's why we have this podcast, 
you got to get your head right, folks. <laughs> you got yeah. to square it away like way before you get to race day or you start getting into training because there's a lot of these things that are, you know, they build on themselves and they produce lots of different variables and emotions and things that cause these cyclical, you know, negative um, or potentially negative or harmful um reactions or components of, of endurance sports, right. Which don't necessarily have to have to be there. Um, yeah. So, so what are you, do you see, um, is there, is there one area, you know, I, let me, let me go back. I had like five things going through my head at one time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, is there a particular type of athlete, you know, I think this is always something that's really interesting is, you know, where do we see these types of behaviors? You know, I'm just, and I'm just interested to get your thoughts or feedback on like in these types of attitudes that we're talking about and some of these potentially negative behaviors, is there potential, is there a particular type of athlete in your experience that you've seen that manifest itself with or you know or or not do you think it's across the board and i don't know what are your what are your thoughts yeah I'm, I'm just sitting here thinking about um who i've seen it with and i or or all the times you've done it and you're thinking about how to not out yourself <laughs> yeah yeah exactly because <laughs> i know i can do that too or i'm like oh geez like i've i've definitely done this yeah <laughs> let, it, let it be known that i only talk about this stuff because it's like so deeply entrenched in me in a lot of you know i mean i think we all have parts of these things right like nobody's you know it's not exclusive to you know a coach or an athlete or somebody who's been in quote unquote endurance sports for a long time. You know, they're, 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 I think they're hurdles and struggles that anyone goes through at any given time. Right. It's about knowing how to deal with them. Um, but anyway, I digress. Um, yeah, I don't know. What do you, what do you think? Is there any, I mean, and, and, and you can say that there's not a particular athlete. I'm just, I'm just curious. You know, I think people have differing opinions depending on their background and kind of the lens through which they view you know, this broader kind of, you know, endurance sports spectrum. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know. I'm going to get myself in trouble again. Um, we've already gotten ourselves in trouble, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I, probably a couple of weeks ago, I would have said that it's primarily triathletes. And I think that's why triathlon lends itself to that type of behavior because it's like, Ooh, now you, now you can pick from <laughs> each, you have a reason, right? It's justified. I'm training for three sports. And so I can do something every day and I can do a lot of it. Um, but I actually, I was just on my way to, uh, go ride in Moab this weekend and was riding with somebody and they were talking about a cyclist who one of their goals over the winter was not to let their, CTL fall be below a certain number. And it's like, and that kind of, so if you're not familiar with CTL, it's chronic training load, which is, um, just cumulative training stress. It's a way to quantify training load basically. Um, and so, but the way that you make it go up is by training lots. And so yeah. the, talking about like trying not to let that number fall over the winter, what do yeah. you, how do you think the cyclist is like what their, what's their mental state going to become spring when oh it's time God. to yeah. start training, you know, yeah. Yeah, and I, like I, what's I, driving that behavior? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, you know, uh, well, I, I think, but, so this, this doesn't become a triathlete uh, bashing <laughs> podcast. Uh, I I'd like to put it all out, put it out there that I've seen that behavior and, and cause I don't coach triathletes. Um, and, uh, I've seen that behavior in, in, in every discipline, you know, and I, um, and I've had that exact conversation. I think that's, I, I love that you brought that up. Cause I was, I thought maybe it was like some systemic issue with the athletes that I work with. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, you know, yeah. Like, I mean, specific to CTL, like I've had that exact conversation, um, with lots of folks over the years about, you know, that there's just this, this fear that if, you know, that, that fitness has to constantly be on the rise, uh, and that fitness, uh, is, you know, quantified with CTL. So we can, you know, link it to that specific metric. Um, and if that is not, you know, on the rise, then, then they're detraining, 
right? Um, and that is, of course, ludicrous, right? Like you can't, you can't do that. You can't sustain that training load. Um, you can't keep that much TSS up, right? Like so, so specific to CTL, right? Like you said, it's cumulative. So that means you have to do progressively more training to continue to see that CTL rise or to, you know, I guess, you know, if you're maintaining it, I guess you could stay at a certain point, but, um, I mean, yeah, this idea that, uh, that training has to ebb and flow, right. But you can still be moving the needle. You can still be working towards your goals, but to wrap your head around the fact that there, there has to be peaks and valleys, right. That you can't sustain this extremely high level progression in this constant hypervigilance towards your goals, um, day after day, season after season. Right. And I, I've seen that in, in all kinds of this, you know, and I work with a lot of, um, ultra distance mountain bikers, a lot of, you know, ultra distance gravel racers, a lot of, uh, ultra marathon runners, right. I mean, people that are kind of a little bit more on the, certainly more on the kind of fringe than, than a, a more traditional endurance discipline like triathlon. Um, and I've seen that, you know, a lot. So yeah, I mean, I, I, it's a, it's a very pervasive, uh, feeling. I, I, this is, um, this will also be the show of tangents. Cause I just thought of something else going on, <laughs> um, which is really all I really wanted out of, out of the show anyway, is that just, uh, just tan tangents with people that I want to talk to. Um, do, do you think that that mindset, I have a theory that put, do you think that that mindset, this idea of like constant forward progress or like upward trajectory in terms of specific to, to metrics driven, um, progress. So things like CTL and, um, you know, TSB, uh, you know, these, these primary performance drivers metrics. And then, and then we could definitely pull an FTP as well that, you know, that has to constantly be on the rise. Um, do you, maybe I'll just ask a more open-ended question. Cause I'm interested in your, in your thoughts. Like where, why is that happening? Like, where is that? Why, why is that, you know, why do people think that if every metric isn't constantly on the rise, that they're not fit or they're not progressing or they're not right. I mean, I, I certainly have, talk to lots of athletes about that stuff all the time. And maybe you haven't had the same experience, but I've begun, begun to think very hard about why it is that athletes are in this pretty negative mindset about, you know, periodization, right. Essentially is what it comes down to. Like, you know, you can't, you have to have like a progressively linear periodization or you're not doing it right. Um, I don't know. What do you, you, you know, can you help me figure it out? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I definitely have thoughts. And I think, I, I think a lot of it's media in, in that yes. athletes are becoming smarter. You know, they're, they're reading, they're, they're starting to stay up on training principles and things like that. And then as, when we talk about metrics, it's like everybody wants that magic metric, whether it's FTP or it's CTL or HRB, they, they just want a number that's going to tell them what to do that next day. Right. Yeah. R right. And in okay. using CTL as an example, it's like, that's really easy to move the needle because it's like, if I go out and write a bunch today, it goes up tomorrow. Right. And if I, yeah. and to me, you know, it's a positive feedback loop where it's like the more I do, the more it goes up, but yeah. you're going to reach a point of diminishing returns. Um, yeah. and pretty quick. I think that's the problem too, specific to like CTLs. And you can only sustain that load for so long until you, so it, it also like, it sets you up for great highs and then also like heartbreak. <laughs> you know, Cause you're like, right. You know, I can't, you can't, right. You'll overtrain or you'll burn out or whatever. Anyway. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, yeah. And I think on the, on the opposite side of that is that if you're working with somebody that has eight to 10 hours a week to train or even less, they're going to hit that ceiling pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. And, and so if the only metric we're using to measure progress is that blue line, mm -hmm. then they're going to think they're not winning, but there's so much, uh, there's so many other things. And I, and I guess this is a perfect 
bringing it back around is that there's so many other things that go into performance, um, whether it's efficiency tactics, things like that. But the mental side, I feel like is one of the biggest things that impacts performance. And it's like, you can have the highest CTL and the highest FTP, but if you don't know how to suffer, right. For sure. You, you're never going to reach your potential. You might get by and you might do pretty good, but it's like, unless you absolutely know how to suffer, mm-hmm. you know, and that's like, so, uh, Alex Hutchinson and his book endure mm-hmm. is so fascinating to read about like all these, your brain and like the things that it's done to kind of protect you and what people can achieve when they learn how to kind of hack that and you know it's it's just amazing and so anyway it's like i think that's what it is is that people want an answer and so it it becomes really easy to focus on one thing and it's like just our brains as humans we don't do a good job with complex things it's hard for our brain to hold so many things all at once Mm -hmm. you know and so it becomes really easy to focus on a blue line Right. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a really convenient way to condense the very, very complex components of training for lofty goals, right? Like let's assume that the thing that an athlete is pursuing is at the threshold of their ability level to some capacity. Um, and so that blew the, yeah, like to your point, like that, these very, uh, condensed kind of seemingly straightforward. Although my argument is that they're, you know, you have to understand them at their core to be able to apply them, right? Like you can't just take FTP in isolation and be like, well, that's my metric for success, right? Or CTL in isolation or whatever. Um, but that's a really handy way to condense all of these things, right? The mental side, the emotional, the physical, the physiological, the metabolic, um, blah, 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 on and on all of these pieces. Um, that's a really convenient package, right? Um, but it's only convenient if it, if it's used properly, right? If you, if you've, if you've positioned it in such a way in your mind that it's helpful, right? If it becomes negative, um, then it's, then it's harmful, right? I, I, my, if I think if I had a tagline, it would be, the metrics are only as good as the information you feed them, right? Like we have to understand what we're trying to accomplish in a given time period, a given time of year, in a given proximity to a given race. And then we have to know what metrics to apply to that situation, right? So you can't just pick and choose these metrics that are out there and then decide if they're if they're useful for you or if you're failing or succeeding based on these metrics, right? Like, and I see that a lot. They're like, okay, well, this one's highest. So that means that's the one that matters. I'm like, well, that doesn't have anything to do with, you know, stamina or muscular endurance or aerobic capacity, right? I mean, all these things that we're trying to get at in terms of adaptation. Um, and I think that's where, and you nailed it. Like when you said media, I was like, Oh, thank you, God. Uh, I mean, and I'm We're the problem, man. We're the problem. Yeah, I know, and I've, I've said it before. I, I, it might have been you. I, was, I can't remember who I was talking to. It was somebody who was like a coach, or and I was like, I, I'm fully aware that I've created part. I mean, TEC puts out content every week, and our goal is to be helpful, right? I want to help break down the barriers, or, or TEC wants to help break down the, the barriers so that coaches and athletes and, and folks involved in endurance sports can be on the same page and talk the same language. Um, and, you know, and, and hopefully help to dissect some of these very complex issues, but there's also the downside of that's a lot of information, right? And when you just jump into a blog post or jump into uh, I'll throw myself under the bus again, a podcast, um, then it's very hard to know how to apply those things. Right. Um, or that's my take. Um, and I just, I see a lot of cherry picking and, and I don't have a problem with that only that it sets athletes up for failure elsewhere, right? Mentally, they get down on themselves. Emotionally, they become depressed because they haven't reached these goals that they have now. And back to what you're talking about, like secretly set aside for themselves right? Athletes would be like, I want to have a, I want to have an FTP of 340. I'm like, why? Well, you know, what, 
Okay. Right. Okay. What does that mean? What, what does that mean? Why is that important? Is that going to get us to what we need to accomplish? Like that's, you know, and do we know if your body is capable of producing that? We don't, right? Like we don't know what, what, right. All we can do is pro- provide the appropriate training stress and then know when to, to test it. Right. And then know the appropriate testing protocol. Um, so yeah, no, I, I, you know, but I guess that's my other soapbox, you know, <laughs> Well, like, I'll just add to that because I think, um, I I think about Joe Frill. So Joe has written all the training Bible series. So there's cyclist training Bible, the triathletes training Bible, and there used to be the mountain bike training Bible. And it's a, I mean, it's not a small book, right? And, and Joe does, he does such a good job of writing very simply and like and making complex um concepts easy to understand and things like that and if you were to read those books you think that it's so straightforward that it has to be this way that these things fall in line but then i know that if you were to talk to joe right it's because you have to you're trying to fit so much more information into x amount of pages and when you talk about a blog post we're talking about 500 words five to 800 words and so it's like i i I think that's part of what the breakdown is that we're trying to pass along this information, but you can't put it all in there. And so you're trying to boil it down to the fundamental parts, but there's so much more nuance to it that takes years to really comprehend, I think. Well, and again, going back, like it all has to be positioned uh, against each individual, right? Like it, it has to be, these are not, you know, terms or concepts or practices that can be applied, uh, you know, in this kind of, you know, broad stroke, right? Like we have to say, okay, here's what we know about these things. Here's these metrics. Here's these approaches. Here's the science. And then what does that mean for this person sitting right in front of me with these particular goals? Right. I mean, that's certainly how I approach things like, great. I, you know, have this, these things that I know and this knowledge and, and how to apply it, but how to apply it to this person. Right. And I think that's the key too is, and then also back to, uh, you know, then what does that mean day in and day out in terms of how they approach their training? So back to your point about it all goes back to the mental, like, yeah, I mean, metrics are great. You know, you got to, you know, you went out and rode and 0.85 IF and, you know, normalized power was, you know, X and, you know, you had, you set peak power numbers. Fantastic. How do you feel, right? How'd you feel when you got on the bike or got, you know, put your running shoes on? How'd you feel when you finished? Um, that's equally as important, right? Is that like how you navigate all of those things day to day out, um, versus just as simple as boiling it down and, doing a workout, right? Like it can't be, and again, like I'm part of the problem, you know, or (laughs) is it like, you can't, you can't boil it down to that small of a thing, right? It's so nuanced. So what, you know, if you look at like a body of work now, like if we could see like the entire TEC blog, right? If you could see like all the hundreds of blogs that have been like, that might tell a better story, right? You'd see like over time, we've broached all of these different topics because they're all very, very important right? Like we talk about, you know, metric stuff, but we're also talking about mental stuff. And we're talking about nutrition stuff and we're talking about, uh, planning and preparation, but right, all those things are important. Um, but if you just jump in on the last Facebook post, you're going to have a really hard time <laughs> figuring out what the hell's going on. Um, because that's going to be in, in isolation, you know? Um, right. yeah, man, I'm so, that makes me so happy that you mentioned the media thing. I just, uh, makes me, uh, <laughs> I should, we should do another podcast called like endurance sports in the media or something. And, and just, it'd be just me bashing myself, you know, I, I realize. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, a big, yeah, I, I don't know. I, the, the takeaway, certainly I, I want to preface in case this isn't clear. The takeaway is not that it's not helpful or valuable to be informed. Right. I think you would agree that like, Absolutely. Like read and be informed and take an active position and role in your training. Um, you know, hopefully with your coach so that you're able to, to speak in, in common language and you you're invested, but that also 
it might not be as clear cut and straightforward as the last thing that you read. Right. Does that sound like a good way to right. so like maybe that's the takeaway, right? Is that, does that sound okay? Or is, did I do a bad job? No, I, I think that's great. And as you, as you're saying that I was kind of thinking about it and it's, yeah, I guess there's two sides to it. And it's like one kind of trust, nothing, question everything. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but then on the flip side of that, as a coach, it's like, you also have to have faith and trust the process. Right. Yeah. Cause there's also, I mean, there's these long periods of time where you don't necessarily get, um, the feedback that you're, that you're looking for. Right. Or, or that, you, you know, that there is no feedback, right? Like it's a, what, what you're trying to do as an athlete, um, and, and what you try to do as a coach is, you know, provide the impetus to elicit these very complex responses in the body. Right. And, and that takes, that takes time, right. It takes time to learn what works and what doesn't. Uh, there's highs and lows associated with that, both from a training plan perspective, but also just in the execute, you know, just life, right. Uh, from the athlete side of things, like, you know, emotional ups and downs and, and bad days and good days. And so it takes time to, to navigate that, um, and, and, and get out in front of it enough to predict what's going on. Right. <laughs> and to provide the training response that's necessary to produce hopefully the end result you're looking for. Right. But even sometimes that doesn't work. Right. <laughs> um, you know, I think that was one of my like best, um, and this would be another thing I'd be interested in if you've like had this realization, uh, would be like, I think one of my, one of my like best moments in terms of like my maturity as a, as a coach was when I just was like, I don't like, I don't know. Right. Like we'll have to, I, I, I have an idea of how to get there. It's not that I'm clueless, but it's, but right now we don't have the information, right? Like I, I feel like when I was, when I was like just starting out as a, you know, you always want to have an answer for your athletes. Cause of course, like that's, I, I would love to provide that. Um, but that's not always the case, right? Like sometimes you don't know. So is that, do you have those experiences or am I just really bad at what I do? And you're, you're not. no, <laughs> no, I think, well, maybe I, I, I don't know. Don't answer that question. That's not. <laughs> yeah. No, I think for me, it, like I say this all the time is that when I first started coaching, it was so much easier because I only had so much information. Right. Yeah. And, and the more I learn, the less I know. Yeah, for sure. And the less that I, um, the less I'm trying to find a way to say this, that so doesn't sound, um, the, the, like the, almost the less I care about, right? Like eh, the more I know, the more, <laughs> right. the more condensed the things that I really value are in terms of the feedback that I get from, uh, from a power meter, right. Uh, or, or, and then more importantly, the feedback that I get directly from an athlete, uh, you know, when I first started working with athletes and co you know, like I wanted all the info, right. And I was like, Oh my, this is all so important. And then now you, you know, the ability to kind of like, really hone in on what you care about and what moves the needle and what's going to inform your philosophy and your approach as a coach that for me has changed dramatically, you know? Um, I don't know. It sounds like you maybe the same for, for you as well. Um, yeah, absolutely. I would, I would much rather have feedback from an athlete about the qualitative data and the, the subjective data than the data. Yeah. Yeah, like, like if I had to choose, like uh, either give me a file or upload or leave a comment. Right. I would choose a comment for sure every day. Yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah. For sure. No, I a hundred percent agree. And and I think that goes back to that same thing where it's like, what's the uh, the cliche that if if all you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail, right? And it's right. like that's how. And that's how I look at coaching a lot of times too, where it's like every time you learn something, you get this new tool and you just want to use it on everything. Yep. You know, you just like, no matter what it is, you want to use that tool and that's the answer. And then eventually that dies off and it just becomes part of your toolbox. Right. And then over time you start to learn to select the right tool for the job. Yeah. Um, 
I love, okay. I love that analogy so much. I think that like just that like, <laughs> being confident enough in your skill set to know when to select the right tool, right? Like I think that's a big difference between someone with less confidence in their craft, you know, or their career or their, you know, whatever you want to call it. Like, yeah, like, you know, knowing that all this stuff is out there, but then knowing when to use it. And then more importantly, when is it applicable to the individual? Right. And knowing that that's not the case every single day, right. Every workout, every training block, every doesn't need all the tools, right. It's too much, right. And you need to know when to use them in the right scenarios. Right. And so, yeah, I think that's, that's awesome. Um, I, I realize I interrupted you there, so I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no. I, I don't even remember now, but yeah, I just, I think that that's, um, oh gosh, what was I going to say? Something. Yeah. Oh, just, just talking about those metrics and how like, that's how it is with power. And like when you first learn about power, then that's everything that matters. And eventually over time, it's like, nope, it, it matters for some workouts, but for other workouts, other things matter. And, right. and I think as an athlete, so for athletes that are listening to that, I, I think that's something because it's hard too as an athlete, if a coach asks you to buy a new device or something like that. And it's like, so you want, every file to mean something, every power file to mean something. And a lot of times it's like, and, and again, like you said, maybe I'm just terrible, but it's like, I, I, I can't, I think athletes have this perception that like coaches can read the tea leaves, right? Like I look at a power file and I can tell what you had for dinner and how much sleep you had and all these other things. And it's like, no, a lot of times without context, it's just a bunch of squiggly lines. Yeah. And um, yeah. so it's a tool that enhances that feedback. Right. Yeah. And to your point, I mean, by the comments, like there has to be context, right? Like there's the qualitative and the quantitative. Um, and those are both, both equally as, is important. You know, and I think that's, it reminds me of conversation, um, uh, last conference I was at with, with Jim Miller, who is, uh, used to be the director of USA cycling and, uh, him and I were talking about coaching and just, he was just kind of catching up and, and, um, you know, I, I told him exactly that he was like, hey, you know, you know, he just kind of asked me my approach and I was like, man, the, the, you know, the, the kind of, the more I do it, the less that I care about a lot of this stuff, you know, like it's great. Um, but it's about, it's about being selective, you know, and that's what him and I talked about. And he said the same thing. Cause he's kind of coming from more of an old school perspective. And he was like, yeah, like it all matters. It just all has to matter at the right time to produce the outcome that you want. Right. And every workout is not a breakthrough workout. Right. Um, lots of days you just do the work, you know? Right. And I've, and I've, I'm very, you know, uh, I try to be very transparent with the athletes that I work with one-on-one about that is like, nothing's going to happen this week. Right. Like now this week is certainly building towards next week. And then that, that month, you know, builds on the next month. And right. So there's a cumulative progressive aspect to it that does matter. So the work today does build towards, you know, next month. But there's no, like you said, like we're not, there's no tea leaves, right? Like I don't, nothing happens today, right? Like where you do the work to move the needle, but it's all cumulative, right? And you have to, and that's, that's that piece with just like, it's, you know, consistency and commitment, right? Like, I don't care if you only do three workouts a week, just do all three of them. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Like don't do, and I'm about, you know, secret workouts and kind of fear of failure and missing sessions and fear of, you know, CTL dropping and stuff like some of that, a lot of that plays into that. But, you know, this idea of like a stack schedule that you're not hitting consistently, um, that's don't do that. Right. Do, do, do what you can do. That's manageable. And then just bring a hundred percent, right. Commit to that and do it, do it well. Um, I realize that that's a tangent as well. Cause that's not what we're talking about. No, <laughs> but I, but I love that. Like, as you're saying that, like I, I guess now it's time for me to get up on a soapbox, but that's, that's, it's about damn time. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's like, that's one thing that I've seen with, um, I don't know. I get, I get the feeling with a lot of athletes that it's like, they feel like as long as they're paying a coach, they're going to get faster through osmosis. Right. And you know, they're paying a coach and the coach is writing these workouts, but they're not, they're not doing half the workouts and they're not leaving feedback or anything. And then, they come to their first race and they wonder why they weren't faster sure. or what have you, you know? And it's like, 
so I think that's something it's like, at least the way I look at it is I always feel like that coach athlete relationship should be a partnership, right? It's an, it's not a dictatorship and it, it is good give and take. And I always like when I start working with an athlete, one of the things I say is that like communication is a two way street, mm-hmm. right? And it, and it's on both our parts. And the way I, I always think about it when I, if somebody leaves me a novel as a comment, then I feel obligated to put that time back into them. And I always think about like uh, every action has an equal and opposite reaction. Mm-hmm. Right. And so if you're unengaged and not leaving comments, then, you know, I hate to say it, but then I start sure. being disengaged and not leaving comments either because, yeah. you know, yeah. we're just going through the motions. I mean, so I, I always say like my primary objective as a coach is to work with athletes that are as committed as I am. Right. Like I'll bring, 3000% to the table, but I expect the same in return. Right. And, and if, if it's not the same, then my percentage will be diminished. Right. Because, because I, there's no, I can't, I can't come 90% to the table and then the, you know, bring and, and, and vice versa. Like the athlete shouldn't come 75% of the way and the coach only come 25, right? Like it's very important that that's a relationship that's reciprocal. Right. And it's very much based on relationship building and communication and that piece is 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 super important right and yeah no i think you're 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 definitely right and again so i mean back to that piece was like it's that stuff is is it's as important if not more important to me meaning the communication part the relationship building part the feedback part as as the execution of the workout like it's great that you went out and did a workout and hit your intervals. And that's, that's great. Like I'm, I'm legitimately fired up when that happens. Um, but that's only half of the responsibility, right? The other part is that is fostering that relationship. And that takes, um, that takes effort too, right. On top of the execution of the workout. Um, but I think, I mean, I don't want to think, I know that it's a, it's a more, fruitful relationship when that happens, right? Like there's, you get to know the, the coach as an athlete and, you know, the athlete as a coach. Um, and that allows you to work through a lot of these nuances that we talked about, uh, you know, on this, uh, today that you wouldn't be able to catch otherwise. Right. I mean, that's what it boils down to for me is you just miss a lot, right? When you don't, when you don't have that, that feedback loop, um, it, right. most of that's not called in power numbers. Um, so that's very important, right? It's, it's, you want to try to catch all the things that could inform your decisions about the direction of an athlete's trajectory, you know, or progress or whatever. Um, yeah. so yeah. Um, man, th- these, I, we're, we're, this is the soapbox episode, obviously. So look out. Uh, that's what it's going to be named. Um, <laughs> um, no, this is, this is fantastic. I'm, um, I just, uh, yeah, I, I'm beyond excited that, uh, that we were able to get on these, uh, these tangents. This is, this is what I, you know, hope that we kind of end up doing for, for every episode is to just have these really great, um, you know, passionate conversations about, um, you know, kind of where, where I'm at and, and I'm, I'm, uh, very opinionated and, uh, and then, you know, where your expertise and, uh, and background and kind of experiences, you know, lend themselves to, to talking about those things. So thanks, thanks a ton for, uh, for taking your time and, and getting on soapboxes with me. I thought that was, uh, that was, that was awesome and, and tons of fun. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I uh, enjoyed it a lot and hopefully we can do it again. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Dave. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of Endurance Minded. Really hope you enjoyed my conversation with Dave uh, as much as I did. Uh, I was really happy that we uh, ended up diving into a lot of these, uh, a lot of these really complex issues, but things that I think are really important for uh, athletes and coaches alike. 
to think about. Um, hopefully, we didn't make anyone too grumpy. I know some of these can be uh, can be hot button issues, but I think they're things that are really important um, for us to to force ourselves to think about uh, to think about how we process some of these uh, some of these issues. And uh, and I think in the end. Um, will only serve to make uh, to make us better athletes, to make us better coaches, to make your relationship with your coach that much better. Uh, so I hope there were some takeaways there. Um, you can learn more about Dave at thomasendurancecoaching.com. Again, he's one of our coaches there. Uh, you can also visit TEC to reach out to any of our other coaches. Uh, always check in on the blog. We have tons of great resources there that we uh, that we update weekly. Um, we have uh, great videos there. You can listen to the podcast. So uh, feel free to uh, check in with us at thomasendurancecoaching.com. As always, uh, please rate, subscribe, and share the podcast. Um, we've gotten some great feedback and look forward to, uh, to, to producing some more uh, really exciting episodes for you guys. Um, hope you enjoyed my conversation with Dave, and we will see you next time.